All right, we live. What's what? up, everybody? What's it's Tilo Foreign here. Send out with my guy, Taylor Ramsey. And you know, it's the Stellar Mix podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Get into some casual conversations about music, life, and more. Taylor, what's going on? Oh, man, dude, I'm just chilling. I'm, uh, Today, like, I'm not, I didn't smoke, right? Like, so I, it's my first time doing it too, just like right. not smoke, like in my life, like not smoking. Like. <laughs> first time in your life. <laughs> it's like, like an anomaly type of day. It's just out of norm. Yeah, yeah, because I knew we we're doing the podcast and I'm like, you know, I got to keep a clear head, but I feel good. Like, you have those, I feel like when you have the habit of smoking every day, not wake and bake type deal, but just like, Smoking around lunchtime, I think that's my biggest thing. Is like lunchtime, right. Right. and then two, three o'clock, you just start dragging. But I feel, yeah. I feel like I got a lot of energy right now. Right, right. Like you feel as if you're not anchored down by that process and and, and smoking in that. Yeah, yeah. I feel good, and I saw the pin over there. You like, like I wanted. Uh, I was. I even picked it up. I was like, "Dude, I want to hit this," and I'm like, "No, I can't." It's like some Jedi, some Jedi shit. You pick it up, and you're like. It's calling you. It's speaking to you silently. And you're um, like, no. yeah, there. hit me, hit me, <laughs> hit me, hit me. <laughs> it's like some uh, half baked when he has a joint. And he's like, come on, don't let me. Just one last little. <laughs> Pull that <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited about this space. Um, for those that don't know, we've been working to build this studio and just do all types of stuff here. And and what. You've right. done Stilo. It's just like been incredible, and man, it's been every, a it's been a dope process for sure. Every day I walk in, and there's like something new, like some new piece of equipment or like some new sound panel, and, and like I'm really glad that we can come together with my construction skills and your music right. skills. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you you build it, and we make it look good. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah, there's a um, a mutuality in that relationship. Definitely, like like. We're places that, you know, the funny situation is we're trying to mount the TV in the in the office, in the studio, and me and George having some some difficulties finding, like, you know, finding the right place to do it and figuring out how to anchor it in and came in and it was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Boom, it's up. It looks good. It's, it's ready to go. So how do we navigate without saying anything? And those spaces, like, when we, even when we made our record so high, a big one coming soon, like that record yep, right there. Yep. It didn't take a lot of brainstorming or a powwow or some grandioso idea. It was just like just vibe, just, just vibing. And even in that process of recording, it's not there wasn't outside of you being. And then within that spectrum or that field, I was able to navigate, and we re we really came yeah. onto something special with that one for sure. Oh, and especially whenever you were telling... Because typically, I know the harmonies, right? So when I sing something, you know, I know the harmonies. But when you said, come in on this next one and just belt it just as high as you can, as loud as you can, you're like, I don't care if it sounds like a little off-key or whatever. Right, we'll fix right. that. But I want the energy right here of mm -hmm. this right here. And then telling me like, okay, now do, do an ad-lib. So if it wasn't for you... I don't think the song would be called so high because right. originally it we was something still else. On, on the original original idea. hook, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's something about Chola, mm -hmm. you know, and that was like the main hook throughout the song. And then you were like, "Yo, do some ad libs, do some ad libs," and I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not like I rap like I just, straight up. I rap, you but I've never been that concept. But in that world, 
it's like it's not it's not referenced as an ad lib. It's more like do a run, do a riff, do. It's not an ad lib. But an ad lib's like Young Thug going like, pick it, pick it, pick it, like making sound effects and really getting like energy, you know, an energy track. But like, yeah, no. And you were like, yo, do some do some ad libs right here, do some fills right here, and you implored me to do that, and that's something that that I wouldn't have normally thought to do. So when you talk about a relationship, like a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. like that, where both parties are feeding off of each other. Right. Pushing it further um, and further. And another example is like last night when I came in here and I'm like trying to link up and I'm like, you know, I, I can't figure it out. You can come in and just show me the ropes because, you know, I'm a newer producer and, you know, I'm, there's still right. technical things that I'm trying to figure out as a producer with right. the hardware, with the software, with just the process of, uh, you know, putting together a song and just arranging and working with all the mm-hmm. systems. Same, so. same on this side from the the mus- my lack of musicianship or music theory or you know those formal trainings behind that I'm self taught. So to to have that balance, like I've been producing for a while, but I haven't been picking up instruments to create my source material or doing going that extra mile. Excuse me. So having you around definitely has been is a stimulant. Like already taught me a chord. I mean, very surface level, but like now I'll pick up a guitar and I'll just play that chord. Yeah. And like strum until I feel comfortable. You know what I mean? There's e already E minor, that E minor baby. That's the first chord that I learned on guitar. It was E minor. It and I can play fingers. White Stripes too. That's Seven Nations Army, but that's the yeah. only. That's My like the song that everybody knows on guitar too, right? <laughs> I'm not mad. It's, it's easy, and it, you know the sound, so it, it's an affirmation. It reinforces the learning process because you're like, "That's exactly how it sounded on the record." Like, yeah, that's what helped me learn guitar originally. Was you learn your basic chords, right? But then mm-hmm. you, you know, how how long can you just sit there and practice a chord? I learned how to play. Uh, a couple of Black Sabbath songs. And Black Sabbath was one of my favorite bands back then, like in right. middle school when I was first like really getting into music. And I feel like the fact that I learned how to play their songs and I could play along with the records, like that did wonders for me. That kept right. me interested enough in the music to be entertained. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's the whole point of music in general. But I feel like if you're an artist and you're able to have fun with it, if you're not having fun, you're not going to keep doing it. So learning to play guitar, the first thing I would say is for anybody out there that wants to learn how to play guitar. First gem of the the podcast right here coming coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to learn how to play guitar, um, you can learn how to play bar chords where bar chord is you slide it up and down the neck to change the key. Okay. And you can play almost any song with bar chords, a lot of rock songs. Okay. So if you learn how to play bar chords or even just learn on one string, like the Seven Nation Army, right. learn on one string, that's the same concept of a bar chord. You slide it up and down. Right, right, so right. So if you can learn even just one song that you like that entertains you and try not to get... Keep you motivated. Yeah, right. and like, I don't know. Not everybody's like me. I'm the type of person, I could listen to the same song over and over. I'm a I binge do. listener. If you looked at my iTunes, if you looked at <laughs> different things, I remember there's one song specifically. It was like over the course of like four days. I might have played that song 300 times in a row. Yeah. From an appreciation perspective, as much as I mix songs and I have, and I have to play them repetitively... This was a record that like 
I put it on and there was times when I was really engaged with the record. There's other times when it was just background music. I slept to it. I woke up to it. It was just a vibe I was in. But like you talk about <clears throat> clinging to one record or binge listening, like I know that all too well. Yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing with, uh, you remember that song, Childish Gambino, Redbone? Oh, of course. Of course. Dude, I listened to that literally like 500 times. Um, so yeah. much that my YouTube, like every time I pulled up YouTube, it was like right there. Boom. It's like, here you go. This is what, this is what you want. <laughs> yeah. So like, how did you like get, for those who don't know, and like, I actually, we have never even talked about right? this. Right, right. But how did you get into music? What's your story about? Like, when did you first start getting into music and and how did you do it? So music was always an early passion of mine, but definitely being heavily involved in sports as like my first scapegoat, my first escapism, it was hard to find foundation in it because there was nobody that was in music or a reference point for me around me and my family or my friends growing up. But I do remember like to go back to one of my earliest memories of being either influenced or gifted or talented. I don't know how how I would label it, but in fourth grade, it was choir. I, I was I was up in the Dallas area going to school and it was you had a choir and a PE class mandatory. And in the choir class, the choir teacher told my parents at like parent teacher night or something like your son, he's he's good. Like he can sing good or whatever. We did some all city choir stuff. And he's like, he should go to a performing arts school. And the school was called Cats at the time. Yeah. And I'm like in fourth grade, this is like my third school in elementary. And I'm like, I want to be normal, man. Like I'm not looking, the kind of, the, the preconceived notion of that at the time was like high school musically. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I, I didn't think that I, it would be for me. So I was like, I deaded that. Next year, I was like, well, the choir teacher has this idea of me. Let me go ahead and switch that for orchestra. So I pick up the violin. Fifth grade, I play violin. I'm first chair. Hardly have to read music. Like, I never take my violin home to practice, but I'm still like coming to class and I'm like blazing through these this sheet music, you know? Right. So that was very intuitive for me as well. Even like the the curriculum behind the sheet music, the staffs, not, it's hard now, but like at the time, I just remember being it real intuitive. Eighth grade rolls around. I'm in Austin now, <clears throat> going to small. And that summer going into freshman year, I'm asking my mom like, hey, I want a DJ system. Mm -hmm. So these are like my earliest memories of, and there's one more, in that same fourth grade year, my brother, who's seven years older than me, graduated from high school. He's having a graduation party and he has all his friends over and they're rapping on a karaoke machine. And my mom's best friend, I think I was in the kitchen. I might've said a few, a few bars or a little, a little stanza. And she was like, grabbed me in a headlock and they're drinking. They're having, everybody's having a good time. I'm the youngest person there, but you know, the adults being responsible, the, the, the high school kids like, Having a good time. We got your keys. My mom was in a very particular way, you know? But right. so his, my brother's friends are rapping. My mom's friend puts me in a headlock and is like, you're about to go out there and you're about to, you're about to rap in front of these people. And you know, I'm shy, I'm blushing, but I go out there and I, I don't know what I said, but like to this day, my brother's still like, it's very fond of that memory. Like my brother at my high school graduation, like got out there and, you freestyle. Freestyled for like just anybody, like just everybody that was there. So like those are the earliest memories in high school. You know, 
being from South Austin, it's a big part of our culture and our environment was like hot boxing. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, freestyle into old Houston music. You know, yeah. very, very SUC, DJ Screw inspired, Zero, Trey, Chameleonaire, etc. And I was always the top, the top, even in, in, in high school, like Daniel Loudermilk, Mayo, these are people that kind of freestyled too. Right. And like we were, we would do it before games or like in the locker room. But then once high school came around, we're hotboxing the car before practices, after practice, whatever, like with the homies. And I always put it together a little bit better than everybody else. Then I got to college and it's like, I finally was out on my own for the first time. And I was mm-hmm. like, how do I capture this inspiration? So I went ahead and I went to Best Buy with my refund check, my student loan check or whatever. And was like, hey, what computer has music software on it? Like, I'm ready to try to go down that path. Right, right. And they're like, yo, this MacBook Pro right here, 2011, 2012 MacBook Pro, it's got GarageBand on it. Boom, boom, boom. So I took that home to the dorm and I would record my friends after study hall. I record myself, like just putting compressors and EQs and plugins and all these different things to try to make it sound better. Ended up dropping out of college, second semester, moved back to Austin from 2012 to about 2014. I put in my own footwork and grind, dropped a couple mixtapes as a rapper. Excuse me. And then, then I started to network more, become more familiar with other musicians, other people in that space. And so I linked with Mayo, who we have mutual friends. Yeah, and um, And we started to cultivate what, would then be known as Soul Fresca. And from there is really when we started to, from my perspective, I was already trying to probe a few people and not necessarily be a group, but like a label or be in some collective dynamic, you know, common denominators across people and try to achieve some things together. And me and Christian kind of had that environment. We started Beat Farm, moved into that house with Jimmy and then Max was our producer at the time. So we started doing shows, started to really take the sh- young, struggling artist route and really started to push that narrative. I mean, we did pretty good at our shows locally. Um, you know, we got good publications. I, I went to us. a couple I went to a couple of y'all shows back in the day. I'm not gonna lie, at the shows was always a cool thing that I took with me, and I attribute this to him more than me. Like other people would say, like, I may have had more stage presence. But at the same token, Mayo was like trying to be the best rapper alive, like really go toe to toe, bar for bar with the best of them. And when it came to our shows, he was so good at like guerrilla marketing. He would call everybody in his phone, like literally go through the contact list and say, hey, you're, we have a show. You're coming to the show. Great thing about that is that, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the more side of like promoting via social media. Right. Just doing, doing, doing what I would consider now the bare minimum. But we would have our shows, and these, these, you know, our peers and other local acts would have like ten to fifteen accumulatively from the other people on the lineup. And I would say like some are their homies, some are their friends and family, some are other people in their rap group. Like, but when it came to our set, it was a clear distinction that Soul Fresco was performing because. It'd be 20 people in the crowd. Then we would go up. It'd be like 60, 70, 80 people in the crowd. Yeah. Then the next person would come up and it'd be back down to 20 people in the crowd. And so that, 
And people knew our songs before we even, we got an encore before we ever dropped the project. And for me, we had a show before we ever dropped the song. Yeah. We had a 45 minute set and we had maybe two songs. Like we had to make songs for the show. You know? Right, right. <laughs> so those learning curves definitely like, uh, it's it's super humbling to have those experiences because like now I can take those with me. And it's like, we took like a hard a harder route in some respects, but it always ended positively. And then 2016 rolls around and I start, 25, late 2015, I start producing in December actually. And I start asking Max and some other homies around me for information and what they're doing. And because as a group, we had a lot of people willing to willing to give us beats because we were the guys closest to them that had an outlet. And so going into 2016, I started producing for other people and engineering for other people off of that self-taught knowledge from the garage band of just like throwing stuff on and growing and growing and growing and growing. And now it's like never looking back. You know, now we have, you know, the record label. Now we have this beautiful space. Now we have um, so many people that are connected to us. And that's really, from a youth perspective, I feel like I missed on some opportunities to really get in deep where like your exposure to band and other school elements that put you into that space stimulated you in that way as far as a tradesman, you know, being able to do and articulate yourself in a certain way. But full circle, you know, it's it's been a fun ride, you know, and I, and I definitely attribute like, okay, early I could have got there. High school, I had the talent, but we nobody had the studio. Nobody knew where to record something at. Nobody knew. This was like when Wiz Khalifa was dropping, you know, getting high was cool. Snapbacks were cool. And it's like, we were getting high. We were wearing snapbacks, but none of us knew how to get into the studio. And then, or even had computers to even know how to, you know what I mean? I remember one guy sophomore year was making beats in a computer class. Um, his name was Mike Willie, I think. And, uh, Mrs. Beer's class, he was making beats in there, but like I didn't, I didn't know that I should have asked for more information at that time. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah, you know, it was fun. But to, to double back, like, tell us a little about a little bit about your come up and how you got involved with music and what got you here. I really feel like we had like the exact same but opposite experiences. Right, right. So, like, because I'm just now uh, the first song that I produced myself. And sang on and wrote and released was last year. It was like right before the pandemic. Okay. And um, before that, growing up, like I started playing music. My dad's a musician. My grandpa was a musician mm, too. Okay. Okay. My dad, you know, had always he always played guitar and like that. <laughs> guitar country driven or what's the influence? Folk. Folk. Like, yeah. We, we nice. went to like. James Taylor, even like you know, not not too much country, but like you know, Americano, the, e the, e the Eagles, and, right, and that, right, that vibe. So, like, I, I remember, like, one of like till the day I die, my dad. When I think about him playing guitar, this is kind of embarrassing if you're listening, pops. But like, <laughs> he would always play on the toilet. <laughs> That's such a peculiar place to pick up a guitar. No, but that was like his time, like, right? Like that's like nobody's everything bothering else, him. Yeah, everything else slowed down. He's like, you can't bother me right now. This is when I'm going <laughs> to... 
<laughs> he would, always, and you know, That's great. You, you would That's hear great. him in the next room playing, and you know, but uh, it's like, yo, bring another guitar in here, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but a little jam band in the bathroom, <laughs> the master <laughs> bath. Hey, I started doing it recently, bro. It's therapeutic. Like, I'm okay, you, <laughs> so now full circle, speaking from not only seeing it fly on the wall, but now from your own experience, it's the place to get. To get busy, I at. mean, it's an intimate setting. It really is a, yeah. a super intimate setting. So, yeah. So, going for my uh, dad, in the same time as I started playing saxophone in sixth grade, I started band, and then at the same time, my dad got me my first guitar. Uh, they had a little it's like a two birds with one stone. Yeah, I started playing guitar and saxophone around the same time uh, in sixth grade, sixth seventh grade is when I started picking up guitar. And I remember uh, the E minor that I was telling you about, that first That's chord. That chord. They had at Manchac Baptist Church, they had a little group, him and his buddy, that they ran it. And it was like a guitar. Ensemble? Uh, no, it was like a guitar lesson group. Oh, okay, okay. So they had like 10, 15 people from the church that wanted to learn how to play guitar. And my dad and his buddy that played in the praise band. Uh, Led those courses. They yeah, they ran it, and then so I went to that and started learning some chords. But then I learned the bar chords, which is a bar chord you can slide it up and down the neck of the guitar right. and hit all the notes. Uh, That's having the same placement, but just as far as your fingers go, but then just moving it up and down. Exactly, okay. exactly. And okay. once I learned again for anybody that wants to learn how to play guitar, once I learned that, and it's an uncomfortable position, it, it strains your hand a little bit. But once I learned how to play those bar chords, you know, Black Sabbath is like mainly bar chords if you listen to their stuff. Well, so. there isn't there this notion of like 80% of pop songs or charting songs only have like these four chords or something like that? Is this is this attributed to the bar chords that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of songs you listen to that have bar chords. So okay. like, okay. you know, you can play any song with bar chords, really. It's just about where you're moving your hand because you can hit right. any note. You can hit all 12 notes with the bar chord um, on the scale. So, yeah, learning the bar chords, being in band. Um, I think the first song I ever wrote was probably for a girl when I was like 16. You know, Oh, try, I had some of that too. Try to do the John Mayer thing, try to do the serenade. <laughs> so, uh, what Taylor was gravity. Like, yeah. trying, to, <laughs> trying to get her. <laughs> so like, um, you're doing that and writing songs, you know, not, not. Were you, were you, cause for me, I was writing poetry and like things that were, they rhymed, they fit, but I just didn't have a beat behind them. Were, were you already articulating songwriting before you could translate it or before you could pick up a guitar? Like like you said, were you already... Or was it like, I could play this guitar and I'm going to put words to it? Well, like even without the guitar, like I remember making a parody song, making fun of one of my friends, like clowning on him in <laughs> high school, like as like a parody. Yeah. And I, and I remember also like after high school, like around 2010, 2011 hanging out with the friends and doing these like joke songs, like right. playing chords and like right. thinking of something on the spot. Yeah. Like the jingle that we were kind of working on the other night, like we weren't working on it, but it was like this laxed approach. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're about to make a hit. It's just like finding the entertainment as you talked about. Yeah. Word associated, finding the entertainment in that process. So. Right, right, right. So like, I guess naturally I've always, I've always found that like, 
I'm good at coming up with catchy jingles or yeah. catchy songs or funny. Like it was a tool. It was almost like I wasn't even trying to write a song. I was trying to be funny, you know, in front of my friends at first or something to that effect. And then I want to say. Implying that there wasn't so much a conscious thought to have like write a song or come up with an idea. It just was manifested through your want to. To entertain, to entertain, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to be funny, to to have. So to, in that ambition, in that cool. that that core value of like wanting to to be the light of the party, or like you know the bright light in the room, yeah. or, or that type of phrasing, like all the other things kind of fell in place very intuitively. Without you, how I see it on the other side of the fence is to say people sit down with this grand intention of like. I got to make this hit. Or I've, I've been in rooms where that's been like, we're going to make a hit today. And then yeah. like 30 minutes in, everybody's like twiddling their thumbs because there was too much pressure or yeah. you know they can't commit to a direction because of this filtration process. Like, oh, it's not good enough. It's not going to... You're like, even if it's not good enough, this is still going to be funny or it's still going right. to come off right. There's got to be some cool part to yeah, it, right? Exactly. Something's exactly. going to sound good. So then, you know, I want to say maybe like... Five five years ago, you know, I started writing a couple of songs and I had one of my buddies that I played with, his name is Ray Marshall, and we used to play guitars together all the time in, in high school and middle school. Right. And right. Um, we started writing some songs and he actually t- uh, told me about Ableton and producing and how, mm. because... It was like, okay, I have this song. I have an acoustic guitar. I have the words. We both can jam out. And then it was a lot of jamming, right? So a lot of jamming. I played with a lot of people. We, you know, I, That's I, the hot box and not like analogy. You know, right. it's just like informal musicianship. Like we're having fun with it. There's no yeah. really end game, but we're still expressing, you know? Yeah, I, I did a lot of jamming throughout. Uh, and I played saxophone with a group that was more of like a funk type group when I was in high school. And I did a lot of jamming with, you know, drummers and, and other guitar players. And I feel like I, I did a lot of jamming and I almost got tired of it because it's like I wanted something more from that. I didn't want it to just be a jam because, you know, as an artist, whenever you make something really, really cool, you know, it, it sucks to just almost feel like you're throwing it away yeah. if you're not if you recording can't, it. If, yeah, if you can't, and that's a great thing about recording and why probably I've gravitated it to so much over the time. It's like, for me, <clears throat> especially for my own music, I can speak for like, let's talk about me just as an artist. And then like, when I hear records that were recorded, good or bad, I can either laugh at them, I can cry to them, I can, there's so much, like, I talked about a record, we talked about binge listening, but imagine if you could binge listen your own thoughts in a way. You know what I mean? And that yeah. goes back to like, you feel like it's almost a waste of energy or a waste of an idea to not put it down in this tangible, objective, concrete form, even though it's an MP3 or it's this digital file you can't hold. It's real. It exists. Yeah, you can listen to it again. You can you can pick up on things. So when I was doing a lot of jamming, I would almost be like kind of mad at the end or sad <laughs> because it's like we just created something awesome. And okay, if, if you're I could just picture you like hands in the pocket, head down, like dragging your feet out out of this out of the jam session, just like well, because I knew walk, it wasn't walk. gonna go yeah. any further than that, right? I knew you that- felt that everybody else is like on a high, probably like this is what they like, enjoy, but 
Well, it's like if we would have kept that going, like with a lot of these, but I just feel like a lot of people I was jamming with weren't serious, as serious as right. I was. And, and really, I call it serious. dad hours at the lab. It used to be dad hours. Like, oh, dad hours. That yeah. nine, eight, seven thirty to nine thirty on a Wednesday every week, like to the T, the boys are showing up and they're jamming. Not, not to yeah. say they had a lot going on extracurricular outside of that. They just had the space to get away from the kids. And to rock out. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just getting together and just shooting the shit essentially. Yeah, exactly. Water so, water cooler vibes. I wanted something more than that. And like I would get a little frustrated when, you know, we would make something really cool and we would be jamming out. And then, you know, next week, you know, nobody can make it and, and do it again. So it's like, you know, everything we just did was kind of wasted. So then that's when I decided, you know, I've got some songs. Uh, I want to learn how to, uh, and I had already done some DAW work with like Audacity making, and I did a parody songs going back to like right, parody. Right, right, I had done a couple in Audacity. So then, you know, I was a little familiar with it. So I, I got Ableton. But was and, that making the full original content or were you just putting lyrics over? Beats. Yeah, I would do that. And I, I, I think maybe in a couple instances, I recorded some guitar audio. Right. Okay. But um, at that point, I just decided, you know, I want to do something here. So I think the first song that I made prior to me doing everything myself, production wise, and, 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 uh, you know, just making the song myself, I had the song, had my guitar. I went to Space Recording Studio and recorded with a guy named Tim Gar- uh, Tim Garen. So I've never been in that space, but it's actually a recording studio. There's a guy there that has kind of like what you guys had at Music Lab. Okay. His it's, own It's a rehearsal room. space. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of rehearsal spaces and then there's some residencies there. Got you. Got you. So I went I went to him, I recorded the audio, um I recorded the guitar, recorded the vocals. He gave me just two raw files, one of me singing one and of one of the guitar. One of the guitar, yeah. And then I took that to my buddy. It's a song called Cigarette. And I took that to my buddy, Johnny James. Shout out, Johnny, if you're listening. Shout out, Johnny. Uh, and he put it onto his Ableton, and he put drums to it, and he put some like synth he little melodies. He produced it. He produced it. He produced it, right? right. So <laughs> You wrote the song, but he, he brought it to life. Exactly, exactly. And... Then I released were that. Were you sitting in on that process? I was. Yeah. So you were able, this is like a learning curve for you where you start to see how it's done, be around how it's done. So you can't take this raw idea out of thin air and say, okay, audacity, get out of here. I got Ableton. My boy Johnny's got Ableton. Let me see how this is done. Well, it was confusing at first because I thought it was going to be done at space. Like, I thought, like, okay, we're in the recording studio. Like, that's it. Like, we're done. You're like, and then he I'm hit- here to make a song. <laughs> the song's not done. What the hell? He's like, here's your, uh, here's your one two third of files. a song. <laughs> here's your two wave files. And then so I'm like sitting there. Like, I just oh, spent like 400 classic. bucks. <laughs> that's classic. And I got two wave files and I'm just sitting there like... <laughs> Like a sick puppy. It's I'm funny because like, I mean, my in, song? in retrospect, like that's that's a big part of why I really leaned on engineering too. Is because me and Christian, Christian Mayo from So Fresco, we were spending money on our sessions, thinking that same thing. Granted, we were a little bit more advanced. We had our beats together. We knew what we were gonna put, like what lyrics we were gonna put down. But the process that we were put into, not only are we paying for it, but like nobody. 
the engineer in the space wasn't wasn't coaching us, wasn't helping us grow, wasn't developing us, which is a big part and a big model of the environment that we've created here is like, if you work with me and and my team by extension and like you are going to get nurtured in in some way, like you're going to grow, you're going to learn something in that session. So it's funny that you have that experience too. You're like, yo, I'm at this studio. We even worked with an individual where we we really put paid the fee and it's that same thing. Like we walked away feeling like there was still more to be done, but it's like, what do, what can you do? Like we're, that was our budget. That was yeah. our time in the studio. So it's, it's funny to hear you say that. Cause it's like, damn, I remember back in our early sessions of like, all right, we're committing. We're going to go make these songs and then still falling short. That's a big reason and a motivation of, why why I do what I do now, you know? So. And I think it can, and to piggyback off of that, I think it can be really frustrating as an artist early on because especially somebody like me where even way back in the day, I, I realized the potential of my music and I, right. I saw that. You're three steps ahead. I, I, feel, I always say that about myself. I'm like, I can hear it three steps. The artist might come in only knowing one step, maybe two. So when they hear that three steps and they're like, oh, this shit, this yeah. sounds good. Yeah, so. yeah. So you realize the potential of your music when you're early on and you have a, an inflated ego. Like it, right. it's natural right. as an artist to have this inflated ego. Why isn't it like it, it's in my head? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also, you know, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to not only producing a song, but, you know, uh, finding the right, Whatever it is, whether it be the plugins that you have to sound use. selection, mix, yeah. you know, how you go about sonic sculpting, the the people you work with. Yeah, getting it recorded, getting it engineered, getting it mixed, getting it mastered, uh, having the right, you know, cover art. Yeah, having the right it, cover yeah. art, having the right marketing afterwards. Because who's to say your song's not fire, but the way it's presented to the world is subpar and now they're not even clicking on it because of these visual elements. You know yeah. What I mean? so. And it's like, you work so hard on that first song and you just think, you know, you've listened to it. You've listened to the song like a thousand times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and in your head, it's just the best shit. And then when you put it out there, uh, you know, let's say it's your first song. You think, Oh man, I should be gaining all this attention. It's not even really the attention. It's, it's almost like when you talk to somebody, when you present it to somebody and you want to work with them, you you don't really understand all the pieces that you're missing yet. Right. And and it's right. one of those things where in the beginning, when you're still figuring out what it's going to take to fit every puzzle piece in of your vision and you right. don't know what those pieces yeah, are. Like what's the chessboard? And you, you try know? to talk to somebody and they can't really tell you. You know, you try to show them your music and 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 you of course see all the potential in it, but they don't or they don't or you understand why you're referencing it and it might be missed by them. Yeah. Right. That can be that can be frustrating for artists, you know, in their in their beginning when you still don't know when it's like an unknown unknown. Like right. You don't know what you what you. And need that was to something know. that we that I you know that so fresh got that at that juncture in our journey. It was like we had more time than money, and that was the reality of it. You know, so we couldn't go to the studio, the professional recording studio, every time we wanted to learn or to be able to put an idea down. And this, that, and the third. So I definitely, we were in a phase of self-sufficiency. Even Mayo got to the point of like, I'm producing for other people. And it's like, okay, Max isn't producing for us anymore. I'm leaning more with other artists as well. So it's like, 
for it's not like he can wait for us and that you know what I mean yeah. and that goes back to just what you were touching on is like you can't necessarily I would I would leave this for our listeners and inspiring musicians like don't wait for for somebody to come knock on the door or for yeah. you to get into the right room like take the opportunity when you're in your home studio or when you're having these ideas with your friends to just sit down and like go through that process. So at yeah. least you have some footing and foundation. So when you go to a studio, you go to that next level, you know how to communicate or you say, Hey, I like my reverb like this, or Hey, I like this effect like this. Or when I do, when I do it, I do it like this because that's what you're familiar with. And they'll figure out how to take it three steps ahead. You know what I mean? So, and, and that was one of the most frustrating things because I feel like I was at a level emotionally and mentally where even before I had anything out online, I was like expecting somebody to hear it and be like, holy shit, man. Right, like, right. Let, let me call Sony right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Like, you know, and I had this like, and I know that's, that's just an ego thing, but yeah. Um, I, I really believe in my music and, and that, regard and, and think very highly of it. But yeah. I think a lot of artists do too. And especially when you're the artist and you see the full potential of what your work could be, you have these expectations of, Oh, once I sit down with the producer, I don't have to do anything else. You know, right. th this, this thing is just going to snowball organically. Right. When there's a lot of, you know, like what you said in the beginning, there's a lot of puzzle pieces that you have to figure out when it comes to, mastering your craft and i guarantee you the song that you're working on right now is not your best song you right know, you might think that that's your best work and think oh man i just got to get this in front of somebody but really i think if i could go back in time and talk to myself in those days is like do it do it the best you can yeah. and keep going yeah crank you know, them out but like but like crank them out intentionally and, and at your highest potentiality don't rest on your laurels and don't yeah. don't rest on that song and like keep creating so that's that was i think one of the ideas making this place is to yeah. be able to work with artists be to able grow out to, of your own bubble of creativity or like to to have to rub shoulders with people and to be able to like there's a guy named lousy that i that uh talked to last week class like can play the piano like nobody else and that's something that if you're coming to the table with sax and guitar but when we had a pianist i'm sure i mean my guy larry he can play the drums like Sheesh. like there's there's a whole and when i say these people i'm not just saying like oh the homie he can do this because like <laughs> just for the sake of doing it's like these people that that we're referencing are like at the at the top of the stratosphere when it comes to that specific role. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. professionals in what they do. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and working with artists and, and like, I would love to be able to go back to myself back when I first started and tell myself all the things that I needed to know. But at that point, I didn't know those things. I didn't know what I needed to learn. So th three, just uh, three, give us three off the top. If you could go back in time and tell younger Taylor Ramsey artists, what would those th three things be for you right now? The first thing would be to always use the voice memos and never lose an idea. So and that, and that let's translate voice memos for a grander thing. Any ideation captured software or any 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 way you can get it out of your head and on to something concrete yeah for you that was something that sh every idea 
is a valued idea. Yeah, and and also like this might contradict it. Like not every idea is going to be a be a, be, be a song, but right. if you have something in your head. Go play with it. Go try to make it something and then move on to the next thing. Source material. Just and and develop, don't, yeah. don't pass up those ideas. So just keep creating and, and keep your head down. The second thing would be is patience and learn. You know, I'm not saying to sit around and wait around, but I'm saying patience with learning and right. le- the things that you have to learn. You can't skip steps. You can't, you know, become this great producer if you don't know how to EQ properly. Right. You know, right. if your EQs aren't on point, then, you know, you can't be a good producer. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I, I do a lot of things in like very like non-surface level. So when I'm EQing or if I'm doing something, I'm not sitting there being like, oh, I need to take out this this frequency right here. I'm just like off, off of the notion of everything that I've been around and my experiences and what I've learned over the culmination of all that, that just translates through, through movement. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like, oh, my EQ got to be right. Like literally, I don't, if you looked at my, my, project file there's there's not a lot of plugins on it you know what i mean yeah yeah i just, could probably just, count on my hands and toes how many plugins are on the whole on the whole project Beat. you've seen my you've seen my projects they're a fucking mess <laughs> but the third thing would be uh so let's recap real quick we got uh lay all lay down all your ideas and just be, get them out more so get them out of your system right yeah. More so, you know, express your be be expressive in that manner. If you have an idea, put it out, try it out, and keep going and keep creating, right? Okay. So get those ideas out. The second thing would be patience and patience with your ego and learning the process, right. and just know that you know it's not an overnight success. If right. you really want to build something, you got to. There's do it. people that are literally claiming they're new artists and they're debuting and all of these 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 new ideas but they've been artists for 10 years yeah songwriting in another room producing for another artist rebranding 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 they might be new now in the sense that this is the newest version of themselves but like be like they were patient they were patient in that journey they went through the process they learned they learned the things the third thing i would say would be to you know, not rest on those laurels. You know, if you have an idea, you know, it's not your best song. It yet. ties into the first one with like, don't don't focus on your misses, just keep shooting. Well, more so like, you know, there's this has happened to me so many times where you have this song and you don't release it for six months and you're you're trying to make it, like, just put it out. I like, put a quit, song quit, like that was over a- two years old and like, you have to be in it for at least two years to even know what that, to get to that space. But it's yeah. like, I think Mass told me that there were songs from um, his brother's album that just came out that were made in like 2012. Some yeah. were made in 2015. The most recent ones were made last year and he still was putting together this cohesive body of work. So like, you have to really, that's something that you just have to experience with time. But the idea is, is don't, Either like a, like pretty much don't beat yourself up either way. If you're gonna sit on it, 
great. Sit on it. Keep making new shit. Keep pushing forward. If you if you sit on it for a little bit and you're like, this needs to come out, put it out and then push forward again, you know? Just not, yeah, just not being a perfectionist. Adam. Right, right. You know, sitting there, you know, going mad scientist, going crazy in your studio trying to think like, oh, how could I make, you know, put it out because if you wait two years, it's going to be so it's irrelevant. It's going to be a shadow of yourself and, yeah. and the moment that you were speaking to at that time as well, you know? And there's so many songs that I, that I look back on and I'm like, man, you know, I was waiting for that perfect moment to put it out. I was waiting for every, you know, the universe to line up. But the truth is, while I was doing that, I was putting off making new music. Right. And that's something two, you that, were like two steps back in that way. Yeah, because I was still, you know, doing this song and not even really making it better, just listening to it again and again and yep. again and thinking, yep. oh, I need to make this better somehow. I don't know how. Whenever, you know, I feel like your audience is going to appreciate your growth. So right. if you put something out that's not perfect, you know, and then a month later you put out something that's a little bit better. They're going to notice. They're going to notice and they're, they're really going to engage Commit. with that. Right. I, and I've been big on community building, especially with artists lately. Like that's a big part of why I've chose. I mean, even I've had friends tell me like, Hey, you should, you should probably put these recent releases on iTunes and Spotify and things like that. But I'm like, I'm putting these songs out free to SoundCloud and YouTube. If you have the notifications on and it's something that you want to be engaged with, great. It's there for you. But more so than not, it's like, if I made it this week and I want to ha- put it out because at this moment, that's what is relevant. And I know from experience that if I wait and I sit on it, chances are it's not going to find a place in the order of things. Yeah. So Because you're going to have that next song that comes out and that's <laughs> yeah. the one you're going to be excited yeah, about. Exactly. And that one's just going to get left in the dust. Exactly. And so, and so I've been very keen on putting stuff out for the sake of putting it out and having an existence where the community can attach to it or commit to it or be involved with it or, you know, just appreciative. It's just like, to me, it's giving away free stuff so that when I really decide what's important and I choose to go about that narrative, that those people that have caught on that this whole time will be able to see that this is held at a little higher standard, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, so that's my background in like, you know, each song that I've done has exponentially gotten better and better. And and I just got to keep having faith and especially working with you now on a consistent basis. I was going to say though, too, like you being so convincing, like so confident in your material that I imagine being a perfectionist comes along with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> just being nervous to release it, just I'm, like, you know, you, you to... want it to be perfect and... <clears throat> One of my early friends told me from from the Soul Fresca era, his name, uh, Soul Fresca era. His name's Nick C, and uh, he told me you have to be detached. And when he said that, it wasn't like don't care. I look at it like a mother worrying, right? Like she she's gonna worry about her son, right? Like naturally, it's gonna be like, hey, where you at, baby? All these things. The dad, dad's just gonna be like. I raised him right or he's a part of me or whatever this like 10 foot pole thing is. It's like, he's going to be all right. Like, let him do his thing. So for me, yeah. it's about being the dad, that being that father role to the to your music where it's like, 
I nurtured tough it. Tough love, tough love. I've nurtured it. I put in this time and effort. I took it to a place where I feel like it can do well on its own now. And you have to like let it live. Like let it live. Put it out. Let it live. Now you go, you can go hard and be the mother on the back end of that and say, hey, I'm worried about it. I want to make sure this thing goes. I want to mm-hmm. keep marketing it. I want to, you know, do what I have to do to make sure eyeballs are on this. But early on in the creation process, you got to be like this father role of like, I'm making it, I'm making it, I did what I can. That's why more times than not in my own music, it's rare that I'll put a more than a day or more than that specific first creative process like that I'll go back and do some more stuff to it. Especially mm-hmm. on a recording tip. Like if I record a sit down and record a song, I'm going to, I record it all the way through until I'm happy until it's like, okay, I can listen to it and it sounds what it needs to sound like. Then I, it's, I would rarely 99.9% of the time it's done, you know? So. And that's what I want to start picking up on, especially working with you now in this space and, Cause now those voice memos, each voice memo is a full song for me now. It's like a demo, voice demo, you know. And a yeah. demo can damn near be a song to in these times because let's take uh, EXO Tour Life. All my friends are dead. The Uzi song. Um, he put it out on SoundCloud first. The probably one of the first bounces of it, you know, like whatever the updated version was. <coughs> Excuse me. Then when it came out on the album which the song went crazy, viral, number one, going crazy. When a song came out on the album, it was remixed mm. and it was more polished to kind of go with the flow of the album. And yeah, people, it was a, it was definitely a topic of discussion and people weren't necessarily... They didn't vibe with it. They weren't much. vibing with it. They were being cultish towards the original, which I understand because, you know, a lot of modern rap, pop, um, engineers are going to say like it's vibe oriented it's not yeah. so particular like so the song So High we have I'm sure we could go further with the refining of it and, and, and less saturation or cleaning it up in ways but it's like when you play it played it for somebody the other day girl said like I like this it's just, like she was almost surprised that that was a record that I was working on yeah, and okay, so I don't want to refine that one as much. I want to add some words to it, but okay, yeah, we're going to do it. That's we're going to do it. We're yeah. gonna do it. <laughs> but yeah, to piggyback off of that, it's just like, I don't think that there's a right answer because you you, you hear people online talking and you hear producers that are kind of snobs in, in their own way about, oh, well, you know, you've got to have, uh, bare minimum, you've got to have this, 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 and this. And, right, right. You know, if you're not doing that, then you're not doing it right. But just like what you said about the All My Friends Are Dead, you know, you can have a song that has the right vibe and it's not even mixed on the right software or or with the right plugins it or whatever that It might even be maybe. the wrong key. Yeah, it, I mean... Thing. That's Future's song. His engineer used to mix songs in the wrong key. Shit. Because... Because that was the vibe, so yeah. that, that that's such a. All right, guys, make sure it's in the right key. Make <laughs> sure your shit's in the right key. It's just it's just about if anybody that's really doing it is gonna anybody in any space. In, you don't have to be an engineer to understand this, but any creative, any musician, any creative of any media form, any expression. The only rule is that there are no rules. 
Yeah, exactly. And there's no perfect fit. There's no perfect answer. There might be some nice pillars to lean on. Yes. (laughs) You know, there might be some... Play in the right key. Yeah, (laughs) play on the right key. Use your bar codes, uh, bar chords, and... uh, And, and things like that that can definitely get you in the ballpark. But once you're in the ballpark, you can start to really navigate it in a way that make it yours. Like something that that I'm keen about is like sound selection. So in that thing, it's like either I'm going to take a sound that everybody knows and we're going to use this to reinforce the record or we're going to try to go for something that's original that prov- provokes a new vibe or people are going to be correlating that sound to me in that creation as far you know what I mean so mm-hmm. definitely I think that um, once you once you get to the ballpark and use these pillars to get you there then it's just like go crazy like don't be afraid and don't be a perfectionist like take it to the take it to the edge but you know paralysis by analysis don't be analyzing things so much that you're not moving forward you know what I mean yeah absolutely and I think that you know, going back to what I first said about how I got into music, it's all about entertainment. So do something that you like. You know, don't try to sound like somebody else. Just, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what genre do you play? And I never know how to answer that right. question right. because it's all Same. over the place. Like, I never have really fit into a genre. Uh, I guess, you like know. funk, pop, Americano. You could throw a little bit of like maybe country or rock in there and then rap and then I also rap too. Yeah. And it's like, who, you know, what is what it? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> like what? But like, uh, you know, just do what's fun. Cause I love as an artist to be able to, you know, like all the hard work that we put into the space and everything that we've done. And that goes back to why I think we did this because you know, you don't want to have to rely on, you know, going in and having everything perfect one time. Like you want to be able to play with it. You want to be able to. It's the nice medium of having an environment where if we jam band, we can, we can make it like we can make the idea concrete at the same time. You know Exactly. And if you like it, put it down, see what it sounds like. And if it's something you love, like when we made that song to me, Everything was worth it. Like everything that we've done, all the hard work, all the, you know, unsure times, frustrating times, whatever it is about building this space was like immediately washed away because (laughs) of of the craft that you're able to do. So I I would say that with any artist, I mean, there's going to be frustrations. There's going to be, I mean, I was almost like, there's been times where I've almost been in tears. Like when I thought that my computer crashed and I didn't get something or even right. just frustrating with like my auto tune quit working on my computer, like right. just getting stressed out. It's so easy to get stressed out when you run into problems, but just know that if you get to a point where you do something that you really love, that it's all going to be worth it. Right. It's going to wash it Whenever all you can get in your car, you plug in that aux cord and you can bang that shit. <laughs> like that's... For me, that's the best feeling because like yeah, I don't insane. just make music to like have other people like I want to have music that I can listen to right. too. <laughs> right. So I, you know, as an artist, that's really where I'm at. Like I want to make stuff that I love, people can listen to. I want to explore other genres, and I want to also take you know this artist and this artist and blend the two together and right. do like a mashup type situation. So. um, 
that's the goal so far, man. So, all right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Yes, this is yes. Taylor Ramsey. It's Stilo Form from Very Necessary, reporting live from the VN headquarters in South Austin. Make sure y'all go get that merch out now. All right, y'all. Come back with us later.